and you know, an event coming up really soon is this Friday. We have a foster closet drive through We're going to be giving out tons of uh, boxes of clothes and things like that to foster uh, families as they just drive through and they just pick up preset boxes ready to go with stuff to help their families. We did a foster haircut day uh, just last month, and it's cool to see that if you are someone who serves and has served in the foster ministry, will you stand up? Can we just appreciate you for a minute and just give them thanks? These are people that are all the time uh, in there, and they are up there sorting. And we got one more coming in who runs the show here is Nicole. And uh, most likely what's in her hand is probably foster stuff, huh? Yeah, because she's even doing it right now. How amazing. So, uh, you know, we have people really just coming in, and they'll come in here all different hours. You know how hot it's been this summer? That upstairs has been a total sweat box up there. And they're up there sorting clothes, working through things up in this room that's right by the ceiling. Um, and so it's like kind of like hot yoga, but it's like hot serving. And you just go in there, you like lose weight, feel great, and help some people. It's really cool. We're going to start charging them for it because it's just such a neat thing, a way to get, get healthy. So anyway, if you want to get a membership to that, talk to us later, and we'll get you signed up. Um, all right, we're going to talk about money today. Money, money, money. Yes. So uh, let's pray, and let's posture, get our hearts right. Because you know what? We don't love money, but boy, we do love money. Uh, we don't love it in a bad way, but boy, we love it in our own way, <laughs> however that is. Father, thank you for your word. God, help us to uh, just be receptive to your word today and challenged and encouraged and all of those things, God. I pray that you'll work through this as we start this series. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so last time I talked about money um, was three years ago. Now, before we moved into this property, at least as far as from the pulpit as an action, things going on in people's lives that people need to, their heart, and there's all these things God connect with who God is, that they need to restore their families, they need to restore their heart, and there's all these things. And so I, I look at, what am I doing? Even saying, why don't you ever talk about money? So we're do this. But I have had a bunch of people even saying, why don't you ever talk about money? So we're talking about money. This is that. A lot of us know the idea that we should give. Um, some of us know about tithing, about offerings, we know all these things. It doesn't necessarily mean that we do it, um, at least not at the level that, that the Bible calls us to do it. And so we kind of get in that place like, well, you know, I've heard it, yeah. And so we get in this place where we are hearing about it, but I can't because of this reason or that reason. There's all these things that get in the way. And I don't want to talk about something if we can't get to a place where it actually creates some, some growth and some change. Uh, hey, people know they can do, um, and if they don't, then that God will provide. So we didn't get in for the money, and that's not the reason we're here. And so I don't push it all the time. But it is a core issue that the Bible talks about. It does affect our faith and our journey. And so we're going to dive into it for the next four weeks. And uh, my first slide here is just uh, Jesus, and this is kind of the modern church in a way. Uh, it's a show me the money church, right? Show me the money. Right? Has anybody ever felt that way about church before? Like churches show me that? Come on. Turn the lights down so people can be honest. Okay. Has anybody ever felt, not, I'm not saying the beat necessarily. Have you ever felt that way about church? About you turn on the TV and you watch a preacher, you watch whatever, and you're like, oh, this is all about the money. Right? That's what they're after. They're out to get the money. And what are they going to do with the money? Well, they're going to do something, buy themselves a special jet or a car or better shoes. Like all these things, but it seems like whenever I go to a church function, or whenever I hear about church, or I see a pastor, they got the best shoes, they got the best suits, they go to the, all the best things. And, and so it's really, this is like almost a, a public speaking gambit to like raise money, right? And people feel that way. 
and that that's what it's all about. And that if you want to have faith and you want to grow and you want your, your heart to uh, be closer to God, that it's all about how much money can you give. And so we've seen those types of things, and they say, here's some common teachings that you'll hear. Uh, number one, uh, Jesus spoke more about money than any other topic. You'll hear that. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying these things. I'm telling you things you hear. I'm going to break some of them down a little bit because some of them are true, some of them aren't. Uh, but Jesus spoke more of money than any other topic is one. Uh, an example of that is that money was uh, Jesus' focus in an astounding 13 of his 39 parables. Uh, and that's astounding because the God of heaven, of eternity, came down to earth and he told 39 parables that were recorded. And over a third of those, or a third of those, were about money. That's pretty profound. There's a billion things to talk about. Okay, just imagine this church. If every third sermon that I had was about money. Think about it. If every third sermon was about money, would you be here? Probably not. I'd have a few people that maybe love to give money and they love money. But in theory, Jesus, one-third of the time, coming from heaven and walking on earth, in theory, he talked about money. Yet, when you talk about Jesus, not how often do they say, so I was praying, I was with Jesus, man, and we were just talking about the money. How many of you feel that that's your experience of your faith walk with Christ, is that it's about the money? We don't. So either we serve a different Jesus than what was in the Bible, because the Jesus in the Bible was a money Jesus, or what we've been told about the money Jesus in the Bible just isn't true. One of those two things. And I'm going to share my thoughts on that in a second. But another one is we, we hear out of uh, the Bible about how God is the one that's given us the power to get wealth. So we need to go get the money because God's given us the power to get wealth. We need to take that power and go get the money. Uh, supply us with his riches according to his riches and glory. Supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. That's amazing. So we're going to get all these things because our father is very wealthy. And we're going to get all these things. Uh, that if we give, it will come back to you. Not only back to you, but pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's where we get these uh, ideas of offerings. Like if you give a 1,000 today, you know, I feel right now that somebody in this audience needs to give a 1,000. And if you give a 1,000 today, I just feel it. I'm just hearing it from the Lord. Hold on a second. I'm hearing it. I'm feeling it right now. In the name of the Lord right now, somebody gives a $1,000, you're going to get 10,000 back this month. I just feel it. That's a faith offering. That's a seed. If somebody wants to do it. Oh, there's 15 of you. That's even better. Praise God. I feel it in also. I feel it's in my leg. It's shaking. I feel it in my arm. I'm getting a new car. I'm getting a new car. Praise God. Anybody else? 15. Somebody want to give 15, 20. Somebody want to really bless God today. Come on. It's just money. Okay. It's a scam is what it is. I'm just telling you it's a scam. So does God want your money? Yes. Does God work that way? No. He just doesn't. You don't see it in the Bible? What you see it in is you see it in people that are trying to get rich off of the word. Okay, so, uh, but we hear that. We come back to you, press down, shake together, but that verse is used. In context of that passage, they're actually talking not just about money. They're talking about forgiveness. They're talking about grace. They're talking about different things in that passage if you actually go read it. Press down, shaking together, and running over is about when you give. It's not just money. When you give, if you give forgiveness, it comes back. If you give grace, it comes back. If you give honor, it comes back. If you give money, it comes back. That God blesses when we do things that are right. Uh, but where your treasure is, there your heart is. And so where's your treasure? Huh? Where's your treasure at? Are you giving more to your mortgage than you are to God's house? Do you value your house more than God's house? Because if you do, that just shows that you're more about yourself than about the church. 
because you should probably care more about God's house. If your mortgage is $2,000, you should probably be giving at least $2,001 to the church because you know what? The church needs the money, and God's house is more important than your house, right? I mean, I'm not saying that. But these are the types of things that are out there. Okay, so a little bit on this. Uh, first of all, let's talk about the parables for just a second. Okay? It is inaccurate to say that 13 of Jesus' parables were about money. It's not accurate. So the reason why is because if you look at 13 of his parables, they talk about money, but money is not the subject of the parable, it's not the issue. Those parables almost all start with the kingdom of God is like. And then they'll talk about a situation that happened using a buried treasure, a lost pearl, uh, whatever the case might be, that somebody found this and then went and sold everything to get it. That somebody searched their house because they lost a coin and they had to find that coin. And that it's like the kingdom of heaven and that God searches for those that are lost. And what is the focus of that? Is it the coin? Is it the money? The, the coin is an analogy. And it's pointing towards the fact that God loves people, that the kingdom of God is about people, about God's love for them, about God searching for them. Finding a buried treasure, selling everything and going back to find it isn't about getting wealthy. It's about getting rid of everything you thought was valuable in order to go and grasp the thing that is most valuable, is the kingdom of God. And so if you actually read the parables for what Jesus was trying to teach, they're not really parables about getting money. He uses money as an example. Why would he use money as an example? A couple reasons. One is because everybody has to use it, right? I don't use a lot of movie analogies in my preaching. Okay, partly because I don't watch a lot of movies, but also because... I've been in too many sermons where a preacher talks about a movie, a special line in the movie, and people are looking around like, I've never seen that movie. Right? But everybody uses money. Right? Beggars even use money and beg for money. Rich people have money. Everybody has money on the spectrum. And so if he uses money, everybody can understand. Another reason is because it has such a tie to our daily life. We understand the value. It helps me eat. It helps me to live. It helps me all these things. So if he talks about it, then we can understand it and see it. And not just in that generation, but in the following generation. Okay? If he just talked about, you know, all the time about how to clean your fishing nets, it would lose value over time because we don't use fishing nets anymore. But we're always going to use money. So it's, it's a timeless way to talk about a concept and get it into people's hearts. Okay, so we have to understand that what he was talking about was the kingdom. If you go back and read those parables, the kingdom is like this. The kingdom is like this. The kingdom is like this. The focus of Jesus was to explain and help people understand the kingdom of God and what it was like. And then he lived his life out showing that. Okay, so that's a money issue. God cares about money, but not necessarily in the way we think. Here's the biggest truth, I think, that God wants us to understand about money. If you really study the scriptures is that the biggest truth God wants us to understand about money is that it's a heart issue. That is significantly a heart issue, which I would just say is completely unfair. It's an unfair way, in my opinion, to judge the heart is by how much people give. And the reason I say that is because of all the abuses. There's so many abuses around money. And so how can you judge my heart around something that has so much baggage to it and so much abuse to it? Like, that's not fair. You know, judge my heart like if I love a baby. Or judge my heart if I love a puppy, right, that just got born. 
But don't judge me on something that has all types of different agendas and abuses tied around it. Because there's a lot more going on there than just the actual issue that you're looking at. So it doesn't seem fair to me naturally. But here's some abuses. Uh, laziness. Okay? You're giving money to somebody else that's lazy. Feels like an abuse. They're not working, not doing anything. But I'm supposed to give them money? That's, that's not fair. Maybe you're the one that's lazy. And so you don't like to hear about money because I don't want to go work. But laziness becomes, on either side, the situation that, like, makes money a hard topic. It makes it hard to, to talk about and giving money and sharing money because, well, do they work as hard as I do or not? Needy. Well, what do you mean they're needy? I need stuff. Why don't they get up and go do something? Why don't they take care of themselves? Yeah, they're beggars. Why are they begging? And so that can get abused. You know, if you've seen some of the, uh, ever seen some of the documentaries on people that are on the street doing begging, you'll see that some people do it, not everyone. There are some people that do it legit as a job. Like there's documentaries on TV you can watch where they follow the person and they get the person to agree to a TV show and they go home with the person. They live in a beautiful home. They drive a beautiful car and their closet is full of their uh, business clothes, which is all like homeless stuff. And in the morning they get up, they put it on and then they go, they beg and then they come back. There's people that do that, say, well, that's not fair. I'm not going to give money. I don't know if they really need it. And so there's those types of issues that come up with my money because I'm greedy. But we've seen a lot of times that other people are greedy and they never have enough. And no matter what you do, no matter what you give, there's always a need for some more. And so that can affect our heart and our desire to give. Our family, if you ever had a family and your family's like always trying to else because, man, I've always got something. Okay, that can wear you out. Like, I'm not giving to the church or anybody else because, man, I've always got somebody calling me. I've always got somebody that's in a need. And so that can hurt us. Um, ourselves. Sometimes we abuse ourselves with money. Well, what do you mean you abuse yourself with money? Well, I use my money for alcohol. I use my money for drugs. I use my money for things I'm not supposed to do with it. I got into debt. I hurt myself. And so I've actually used money to abuse myself, so I just don't want to talk about money because money hurts me. And I don't like it. I don't want to hear about it. Uh, preachers, we covered that. Preachers that just abuse the idea of finances, they abuse the idea of money. And they're in it to get wealthy. The government. I only include them on here because they're a perfect example of how to treat money well. Is that we know they never waste any money and it's always perfectly used. They're refined and just wonderful. Um, but if you're one of those people that has the illusion that government isn't totally responsible with our money, then you could include them on your list of abuses. Okay? But sometimes they waste money. Sometimes we're like, they're taking my taxes. What happened to my property taxes? What's going on? And what are we doing with it? And we watch our money go out, and our money go out, and all these things happen. And so God is looking at our heart in the midst of all of this chaos and saying, in the midst of all of that, can you still trust me? Can you still give towards me? Can you still love me and trust me in the process of all the pain and suffering, which we're called to do the same when we love people. There's a million reasons not to love, not to care, not to be in community, but God calls us back into the storm, like that song we sang, to come and to be involved and to connect in it. And so it checks our heart. But this is actually, I think, the bigger issue is that money is a heart issue, but it's not just about your heart. Is I believe that money is actually about God's heart. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. This is out of Malachi chapter 3. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So this is God speaking to his people and saying, bring in the tithe. What's a tithe? The tithe is 10%. That's what it means. So if you give, like say you make, say you make 
$10,000 or $1,000, right? Those are easy round numbers. Say you make $1,000 this month and you give $5. That's an offering. That's not a tithe. If you make $1,000 and you give $100, that's a tithe. A tithe means a tenth. That's what it means. So tithing is not giving and just offering. Tithing is giving 10%. He's saying, if you give me 10% of all that you have, come bring it into the storehouse. I will open up the windows of heaven and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to pour out this blessing and you're not going to be able to contain it. Okay, that's a pretty big ask considering that when we're poor, we need it to survive. And when we're rich, that's a big chunk of money. On either end, it doesn't feel good. But that's what he's saying in this. Now, here's the thing. This is in the Old Testament. Okay, in the Old Testament, people were under a law. They were under the law of God, and part of the laws of God was that he wanted them to tithe and to give 10%. We're in the New Testament, and we're no longer under the law. We're under grace, and we're led by the Spirit. So do we have to give by the law? I thought the law was broken. That's stuff that we'll get into this month in more detail, but I will tell you that this is Old Testament, and this is about law. But I want to focus on the heart issue, which is, he says, test. But who does he say to test? He doesn't say that the tithe is a test for you. So it's often preached as, well, it tests your heart if you're tithing or giving. That's where the test is. And there is an aspect of that, but this verse, that's not what it's saying. In this verse, he's saying to test, and he's not saying to test you. He's saying, test me. Try me out. Test me. Examine me. Check me. And what does the word mean? This is a a Hebrew word, and what it actually means is to examine, to scrutinize, and to try. So sometimes we're told, well, you're just supposed to give and then not, not worry about it. Give and don't look for a blessing. Give and don't see if God's going to uh, respond to you. Because you're just giving with no expectation. Okay? Biblically, this verse should be thrown out if that's the case. Because that's not what this verse says. This verse, God says, give and do what? Test me. Give and search me. Know my heart. Test me. Know me. That's what David said. David cried out to God to test him and know his heart. Job said the same thing. If you read the book of Job, God said, test my servant, consider my servant. And Job's going throughout things, I'm being tested, I'm being tested. Why? Because God was examining David's heart. He was examining Job's heart and trying to see, do you really love me? Do you care for me? And God was deeply examining them, and they were aware of that. Well, in this passage, God is inviting us to do the same. The other direction. He's saying, do you know what? Examine me. And see if I won't do this. He's saying, look at my heart. Because it's the same word. This exact word is the same word used in Psalms with David. It's the same word used with Job. It's used throughout the scripture. But this exact word is the same word when it says test. And God is testing other people to see their character and their heart and how they'll respond. He's inviting people to do the same back to him. And he's saying, test me in this. And it's the only time in the Bible where God invites us to test him. But he's saying, test me. Not test you, test him. Well, I don't know if I can trust God. He's saying, test me, examine me, look at it, scrutinize me. Don't just give and say, well, I gave with no expectation. Why? Because if you're giving to someone who has promised something back, and you never check to see if the back came, right, then you miss part of their character and their heart because you don't even see that they honored their word. You don't even see that they gave it back, that they blessed you. You don't even see, because I'm just, I don't want to look. And he's saying, look, I'm giving back. Look at me. 
Or I don't want to look because I'm too religious. I'm too, spir- I'm too humble. I'm too spiritual. I'm too generous to look. And he's like, no, look. You're giving to me. Now look what I'm doing for you. Look. He wants us to examine him. He wants us to look at what he's doing. He wants us to see his response. And he's inviting us to do that in that passage. And if you look at that verse, that's the emphasis of the word. It's test me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see, with your eyes, look, calculate, examine, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be no room enough to store it. This is a heart issue. God is asking us through our giving, to not just give blindly, but to give and then to watch and to see his heart reciprocating back. And there's a relational exchange happening and going on. The other part is blessing. That's what he's wanting us to do. But isn't this of the law? Well, yes, it is of the law. In Romans chapter 10, verse 4, it tells us that the law has ended with Jesus Christ. So that's the law. That's back in the Old Testament days. I don't have to do that. That's true. But it also says in God's word that all of the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. That all of them are. If you go back to this verse, it has both things in it. It has what would be considered a law of tithing, but it also has a promise. Okay, so the the law may be broken and finished and completed in Christ, but the promise is still available and fulfilled in Christ. So do I have to tithe in order to be under God's covering? No. Do I have to tithe in order to provide for my family and to be able to make it? No. Do I have to tithe in order for God to hear my prayers? No. Do I have to tithe in order for God to want to be in relationship with me? No. Do I have to tithe to be a good Christian? No. The law has been broken. You can go to heaven and never give a dime. But the promise of Christ, which is New Testament, which is faith, which is the Spirit... And God is still saying, my heart hasn't changed. Why? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In him, there is no shadow of turning. He's the same God. And he's still saying, if you will examine me, test me, interact with me this way, I am the same God, and my promise is still here that I will pour out blessing on you. From where? From Chase Bank? From Bank of America? From the Federal Reserve? The passage says he will open up the floodgates of where? Heaven. What do we try to do with our money? What do we try, what, what's the purpose of it? What are we trying to accomplish? We're trying to find peace, security, joy, fulfillment, all these different things, right? We're trying to find identity, respect, honor, all these things, stay alive, be provided for, all these things. Well, the blessings of heaven include all of these things that God can pour into our lives, and he doesn't have to give us the money first in order to bring them to pass. He can take away anxiety. He can take away worry. He can give you identity. He can give you peace. He can give you joy. He can give you fulfillment that's eternal and unshakable. If I say, I know, but if I can go to the theater or to the movie, I can have peace for an hour and a half, and I want that. And God says, well, I can give you peace without that $20. I can give you peace that lasts more than an hour and a half. Which one do you want? He's able to give us a peace and and a a place in our heart of rest and of joy and of fulfillment and of relationship that is far beyond a dollar value. 
and that's eternal. And so he offers that to us, but that comes through the promise, and it's blessings from heaven. Does it sometimes include money? Absolutely. God pours money out in people's lives. You'll see somebody like, man, that person is just getting stinking wealthy. They say, well, that's because I tithe. Well, I tithe too. And my car's on the side of the road, and I had to get an Uber. What's the deal? Well, you must have sin in your life. Where is it? Help me. Clean it out because I want a nicer house. And we can feel that way, and it becomes very legalistic. But that's where trust comes in, that when God's opening up the floodgates of heaven and pouring into our life, that he knows what you need. What's a blessing to you? It's not the same for everybody. I shared this a couple weeks ago, but back when I was coming out of alcoholism, I put money in the offering. I'd come to the Lord. I started becoming a tither and a giver, and I started giving money. I'm going to give money. I'm going to stretch myself. I'm going to give money. And I'm putting money in. And you know what? God wasn't giving me money back. I was broke. Trying to get a house, trying to raise kids. I'm broke. I gave away. I'm not going to tell you how much. I put money in the offering. Praise God. I'm going to sell my truck. I'd waited all this time to get this truck, and I loved this truck. And I got this truck, and I'm going to sell it. I'm going to use the money to give this offering. So I'm giving the offering on Sunday, and I'm going to sell my truck on Monday, and then I'm going to put the money in the bank. Well, Monday comes. Nobody bought my car. Tuesday, nobody bought bought it. Wednesday, Thursday. Carrie's like, there's no money in our account. I'm like, I know, but I'm selling my car. I'm going to pay for that faith offering. And she's like, there's no money in our account. Like, they're going to cash that check. (sighs) Fine. So I have to call the church. (laughs) I have to ask for the accountant. I get on the phone with the accountant. I say, hey, uh, by the way, um, you guys have a check for me. And they're like, oh, yeah, praise God. Thank you, brother. <laughs> uh, oh, praise God. Thank his brother. We're all going to be in faith together because I have no money. It's just a check. Uh, what do you want us to do? Hold it until I call you and tell you to deposit it. It's the longest time I think it ever took me to sell a car. God was just dragging this thing out. Just dragging it out. Finally sold. Gave him the money. Boy, it took a long time. It was embarrassing. I was like, ah, okay. Learn my lesson. You know what? Give what I have. I don't have to give what I don't have. Right? God's not asking me to do that. But it was this idea, this, this exchange of heart. When I gave it, it was from my heart, even though I was out ahead of myself, right? I had no wisdom in it. But it was from my heart. God wants it from the heart. Right? So that's what I was trying to do and how to learn to do it even within some wisdom. But yet, that's what God was after, was after the heart. And his blessings that he poured out, though, when I did that, he didn't all of a sudden turn around and give me a bunch of money, because if he had given it to me, do you know what I would have used it for? Not for anything good. Even though I was willing to sell my truck and give money, if God had given me back more money, it would have went straight to a liquor store. It wouldn't have helped. Because I still didn't have the change of heart and the discipline. I was changing, but I wasn't changed. It wasn't instant. And so that was changing. I had gratitude for what God saved me from, and I was putting things into the offering. I was out of gratitude. Lord, have it all. You can take it all. And he's like, that's great, but I'm not giving anything back to you because I still can't trust you yet. we got to work on some stuff. But what he gave me was a mentor and a disciple and somebody to walk with me and to help me get out of addiction and help me be better. Which is the greater blessing? God knew the blessing I needed. So when he opens up the blessing of heaven and he pours it out, he's not just dumping out money. The world thinks they can solve everything by giving you money. Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody where they felt like they could solve every relational problem with you by just giving you something? Well, they just need more money. What what do you need? Hey, I can't come to your party. Let me just give you some more money. Hey, I can't do that, but I'm going to give you a nice gift. You know, or a parent that was never around. But, oh, I'm going to write you a check. I'm going to give you some money. I'm going to help you get a car. I'm going to help you do this. But they're never around. 
God knows it's not just money that expresses love and care and blessing. So he uses the, the means that he has at his disposal. So the call is not just to trust God in this passage, but it's to test God. Which as Christians, we love, oh, just trust God. Yes, trust God. But God is real. His character is true. And he's not afraid to be tested. Test him. Ask him. Are you responding? Is this working? Are you, well, but we don't know. Yes, if you examine and you look and you watch, you will see. I had to examine and look at my life and say, I'm not getting rich, but I'm giving. And I'd examine and look and say, where is the blessing of heaven coming into my life? Because if God's word is true, he's pouring something back. Where is it? And I realized, wow, he's put somebody in my life to walk with me and I can be with them any day, any time when I'm in struggle. The guy says, I can call him at 1 in the morning to show up at his house, to get out of bed, throw his jammers on, and sit with me all night if I need him. So I would call, I'm coming over. You're doing what? I'm coming over. Get up. You said I could. If I don't go to your house, I'm going somewhere bad. I got to come over. And I go over. That's a blessing, God. But I'd examine my life and realize how God's blessing me, how he's giving back. There's been other times where God poured a bunch of money in. But I was ready for it. I'm still ready for it, by the way. (laughs) There's a season. He does it in different ways. So this is what I'm calling us to do. And what I really felt like, uh, God wants us to actually, as a church, like literally put him to the test. Literally examine him. And so when I ran a community group, um, this is one of our first community groups that we ever had. This is back in Vancouver. This is many years ago. And I did not believe that God answered prayer, but I'm running a Bible study community group. And I thought I believed God answered prayer, but really I didn't. Even though religiously I did, I didn't. Because people, I I felt God telling me, when people bring you these prayer requests, put up a board and on half of it a cork board and on half of it pin up prayer requests on three by five cards and then draw a line down the middle with tape, make make a line. On the other side of that, whenever prayers are answered, move it over. And my first reaction was, that is the worst idea I have ever heard. And God kept pushing it on my heart, make the board, make the board. And I'm like, I'm not making a board. I'm here. I'm out of my closet. I'm trying to do this. I'm not drinking. If you want me to make a board like that, you got to let me drink again. <laughs> uh, how discouraged people are going to get. You want me to increase their faith. This won't hold them anymore. And then everybody's going to realize that you're up. The tax are going to go in. The cards are going to fall off because the tax won't hold them anymore. And then everybody's going to realize that you don't actually answer prayer. And I'm supposed to still run the group. And this is my spiritual leadership conversation. I'm struggling. And God kept, do it, do it, do it. I'm doing it. So I got aboard. I put the tape. I announced it to the group. This is what we're doing. Praise God. And then I went to bed that night, and I'm like, oh, boy, this group's going down quick. And you know, for like a year or two years, however long we kept the board, we never, ever could fill up the left side of the board. It always moved over. It always moved over. Hard things. Not just my uncle's, sister's, cousin's, brother had a sick cat. I mean, hard things. Sickness, disease, uh, family crisis, broken families. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Moving over. I'm like, what happened? Why is God answering prayer now? He never used to answer prayer. And then the Lord spoke to me and he said, I've always answered prayer, but you don't keep a record. And somebody comes in and they have a prayer request. Can you pray? I don't have a job and I don't think I can make my mortgage. Can you pray I get a job? And they'll make that prayer request for like five months straight. 
and then they get the job. They'll have the job for five years. So the, 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 the trial lasted five months. The blessing lasted five years. But you heard about the trial for five months, and you only heard about the blessing once, if at all. The first time they came back to group and said, I got a job. It's awesome. And that was it. And so he said, you just don't keep a record. And so we kept it, and we found God to be true. And so taking this Malachi verse very seriously, to test God, to examine God, to scrutinize God, is what I'm going to invite all of us to do together. And so I have some sheets that we're going to hand out. If I gave you sheets to hand out, now's a good time to do that. Uh, There's several people. We're going to take these home. I'm going to start passing these out each month. I want to encourage you to put these on your mirror in your bathroom or wherever you will regularly see them to start scrutinizing, examining, and testing God. Does he honor your giving or not? And I'm going to lay out a few rules. And the reason that I'm going to do that is just so that we do it with the right heart. But here's his claims. He claims that you don't need to worry about anything. Does that Matthew? What you eat or drink, what you wear, he knows what you need. He'll take care of you. He says that he will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. He says that he will give, if we give, it will come back to us. And he says that he will open up the windows of heaven and pour out on us. Is that true or is it not? Is God a giver or is God a grifter? That's a real question. Is he faithful or not? Is it a scam or is it true? Not me, him. And that's what we're going to look at. And so how are we going to do this? Here's your sheet and here's the rules. We're going to test God. First, it's heart posture so that we're doing this with the right heart. One is you got to be spending time abiding with God. John 15 talks about that. It talks about abiding with the Lord and being in him. you got to have your heart in the right place. Be content. Talks about that, Timothy. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Be a content person. Doesn't mean you can't have a lot of things, but you can have a lot of things and be discontented, and you can have nothing and be content. So it's really a heart posture. Be a contented person that lives in contentment. Uh, be diligent. The Bible says the hand of the diligent will rule. The hand of the lazy will come to slave labor. So giving and being lazy does not produce abundance. It just produces brokenness. Okay, there's a balance, okay? So be diligent, doing your part. Trade worry for thanks. Philippians chapter 4 says, don't worry about anything, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving, make your request known to God. So have a posture and a heart of gratitude. Seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, and everything else will be added to you. Have a heart that's seeking God's kingdom, God's growth, not just in the church. Now, the church uses that a lot of times to say, that means the church. That's not what it means. God's kingdom is not just a church. God's kingdom is your family. God's kingdom is your own heart. It's the places that God has rule and reign and where the Holy Spirit brings righteousness, peace, and joy through the Holy Spirit. So it's not just seek first the church. It's seek first the kingdom of God in your life and in the life of your family and, in, and all around you and in the church. And if you do this, okay, then comes the second part. This is the test part where we're actually putting God down to the test. You can tithe by law. Or you can tithe by grace, being led by the Spirit. I do have a newsflash for you, though. I would recommend reading Acts 2 and reading what that type of giving looks like because it is far more challenging than the law. Go read it for yourself. Acts chapter 2 talks about grace giving. 
So go read it. Choose one, choose the other. Let God lead you. But remember, don't go to a restaurant with a rich person if you don't have the money. Because you'll say, I'll eat whatever they're eating. Whoa, that got expensive. God's a big giver. So if you're going to trust to be led by the Spirit of this boat, do that. Led by the Spirit in your giving. Say, I get rid of the law, I'm going into this boat. Do that. You can do that. He's out each month. But tape this to your mirror, track it. We're going to do this for the rest of the year. In that bottom part of it, write in and track. Have I given? What did I give? Did I give by law? Did I give by grace? What did I give? It's for your own. You're not going to turn it in. It's for yourself. But you track for your own life, for your own spiritual walk, for your own well-being, for your own relationship with God. You test God's heart. You test God's character. You test God's promises. And then in the bottom part, write each month, look at that and say, God, how is he working in my life right now? to bring blessing. How is he doing that? Is this happening? Is this working? Because the church doesn't need your money at that level. God wants people to test his heart. He wants them to know him in a deeper way. And he also wants to work on our hearts because giving breaks us free from anxiety and worry and stress and fear because we start to walk in this in the supernatural and the spirit that God has for us and to be more in his image. Amen. Let's let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for your word. I pray, God, that you would, Lord, take this word, Lord, let it fall on good soil and bring us closer to you. God, I pray that as we go through this series, Father, that you'd help us to see, Lord, not not wrestle over the fine print, split hairs over different types of giving, but Lord, challenge us, God, to know you, to know your heart, to know your generosity by engaging it with our own. Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.